Welcome everybody to the final episode of the Back to the Office podcast. I am one of your hosts, Chris Phelps, and my co-host and very good friend is Mr. Dave Horrocks. Hey there, Chris, and hello to our listeners out there. Welcome to Back to the Office, the show where we journey back to Slough's premier paper merchants, Wernham Hog, where life is stationary. Now, Chris, it has been a while, but we are back to put full stop on this. What are we going to review today? (laughs) Well, before we say what we're doing... I take full responsibility. This is my fault. <laughs> the amount of text messages you send me every week going, have you watched it? Have you watched it? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do it. I went, so I've finally done it. So the slight delay, guys. And we were taking a break anyway, because obviously this was the final, um, putting a full stop on the whole office, you know, series, show, franchise, whatever you want to call it. So, Dave, anyway, so I apologise. It is down to me, that guy. So, we are going back to 2016, and we are watching the movie David Brent, Life on the Road. So, Dave, do you remember where you were watching this for the first time? I think I caught this on Netflix. So, I, I was... I don't even know if it had a cinema release, did it? Um, I, I'm pretty sure this dropped on Netflix really quickly after it released... And so I caught it on that, and then I I just loved it. But I did feel, and I'm sure we're going to get into uh, some of the details in a bit, I I did feel like it it was just something a bit different to The Office. Obviously, you know, it's a lot longer, but not having the entourage, having a new kind of, a new Gareth, if you like, you know, a new Dawn and uh, things like that. Uh, all the band stuff it, it was just something a bit different but it was so great because i never thought we'd see ricky gervais as david brent again so it just makes me smile when i go back and watch it so it, it's it's been great but to be honest i i bought this on amazon prime and i i watch this one quite regularly to be honest i mean how about yourself well it's funny you know dave because obviously you know such big office fans i've only ever seen this one so when it first came out, I think we watched it on Sky Movies, and then there was some deal on where if you bought it on Sky Movies for like eight quid, they sent you the DVD copy as well. So I've got the DVD yeah. copy still on the wrapper. So I, obviously, I know like Blu-ray's the way to go, but I think I've lent it to Sam's brother, and I've never got it back to be honest. But I did Nicky's Oasis. <laughs> we did like a trade for an Oasis concert, and I've still got that in the wrapper as well. So I said to him the other week, "I said you got my life on the road." He went, "Yeah, you've got my Oasis." I think it's a bit of a standoff until someone. You know, produces it out of the back pocket day. So, but I was looking forward to this going back to it. You know, obviously it's David Bren. It, I remember loving it the first time I watched it. So I was thinking, well, it's only been six years. I watched it pretty much as soon as it was available, you know, because obviously loving the show so much. And I think me and Sam watched it together. She enjoyed it. So when I said to her we were watching it, she was sort of like, oh, yeah, we need to watch that again. So, well, I've sort of watched it. And God, bollocking, Dave. You always do that. I said, well, the podcasts, I'm home earlier than you. I've got to watch it. So Dave's only been asking me for the last four months to watch it. But anyway, so yeah, this is my second time of watching it, even though I am such a massive Office fan. Interesting. Now, one of the things we also do, Chris, or we have done with each episode is to discuss how does this kind of resonate with us? You know, are there any parallels And I think this is a good way that we finish off this whole series, isn't it? Because obviously you and I met in the band all those years ago now. (laughs) And so, you know, have you got any stories for us? Well, I've got a few, actually, Dave. I've got a couple. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One of the ones that made me tickle, and as you're watching the movie, little things come back into your head. So when they go 
in the movie, and I know we'll talk about the movie properly, and he says about that guy, and he goes, uh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's not like his uncle who's, you know, got done for sex crimes, <laughs> and he was 40 when he started and everything. And the guy's just looking at him, the bass player's just like, well, then the whole room's just like, <laughs> yeah. what the fuck? And then, so there was a guy who joined our band, and obviously, like any band, you start off with the original nucleus of the band, and you were obviously the second bass player as well, because uh, the third yep. bass player, actually, Dave, so we'd had two bass players. One of them is my brother-in-law now, the second bass player. And then you came in the band and we had a, a guitarist join the band. And I think he crossed over at some point when you were in the band. You, you, you yeah, were yeah, playing he it was to in him. There. Yeah. yeah, he was in there. Yeah, well, in fact, yes, he was in there because we've, we, yeah, there is this stuff we've seen recently where he's in there. So this, <laughs> this, this guy gets married to um, the love of his life, this girl. He's the same age as me. The girl's a bit younger. And uh, he's telling his speech at the wedding. Now, bear in mind, there was an eight-year age gap. Now, between me and Sam, there's a seven-year age gap. So there's an eight-year age gap. And even, I've loved her since I met her when I was 22. And you could literally <laughs> see the whole room start counting on the fingers. Question marks are going above. It's been a cartoon. Fucking Question hell. marks have been going across everyone's head, like the fucking Riddler. You'd have been like, what the fuck? So everyone's like... All right, yeah, yeah, like this, like hey, you know, like oh a David Bremer, because it literally dawned on everyone. She was obviously fourteen, but anyway, 14, so, yeah. so oh, I, I don't want to know. I don't want to. I remember I was hanging around waiting for school to finish. She was <laughs> yes. just starting her GCSEs. <laughs> she got detention one night. I had to wait for her. Honestly, I never forget that it was oh, a pin mate. drop moment. And you, I know you weren't there, but I remember telling you, you were just like, holy... F-. And really, it's not anything to laugh about, but it was one of the moments where the families of both of them were just accepting of it. It was like the guests, you know, like, were just like... The families were fine, but but also as guests yeah. were just like, what <laughs> the fuck is going families on? Like, so, oh, isn't it sweet? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Funny enough, though, Dave, his fucking wedding, the actual first dance song was <laughs> fucking Harry Glitter, do you want to be my guy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, mate. I, on, Dave. <laughs> on, I just struggled to keep a straight face there. <laughs> because actually, Chris, in, in relation to this one, one of the things you know about me is I struggle to have a poker face. So yes. if someone is really annoyed, annoying me or pissing me off, <laughs> it is all over my face. I, in like, you are a fucking knobhead kind of face. So obviously in our band, when, when we were there, and uh, what, what was that, the third, did you say? Third bass third player? Third bass player, that? yeah. Oh, okay, there you go. Yeah. Um, an upgrade, I like to think. But, yeah, um, you were, you were. <laughs> you know, not everyone has to be an absolute rock star. You know, there's lots of room for, you know, people to be at different levels. But I think what what irritates me, right, is if someone says, you know, oh, I don't get the opportunity to do this or I don't get the opportunity to do that, and then they don't do anything about it. So one of the guitar players was saying, oh, you know, I'd like to do a few more solos and stuff. It's like, well, learn one then and do it. So this had gone on for a few <laughs> weeks. <laughs> just just do it. Don't ask anyone. Whose permission are you looking to get? This is not like, you know, some corporate structure or something. Learn a fucking solo and then play it. Right, right, yeah, definitely, definitely do that for next week. So we're playing this, playing a bit of Wonderwall. 
And then, you know, guitar player, I'm, I'm waiting there. I'm thinking, all oh, right, he's actually, actually learned it. Gets to the <laughs> solo bit. He walks up to the mic, puts his guitar behind him, and then hums the fucking guitar solo. I'm like, <laughs> no, no, I'd actually like a picture of myself because I, I, I just, I know how I would look. And it, it, it says in non-verbal terms, you are a fucking cock. <laughs> yeah, because I remember looking at you especially and our other guitarist, his brother-in-law, and he fucking, we were just like, holy fuck. No, I was the singer. I'm not the greatest singer in the world, but I, I was a failed guitarist because I'm fucking lazy. So my big gob ended up by proxy because I couldn't be asked practicing. It's a story of my life. And I became the singer because I just was having guitar lessons and I can play. And my level was exactly the same as his, but I did not practice a fuck on. He, he just, when he got in the band, if you remember, he just stopped practicing. He literally, he, weird, literally he, he literally thought he'd made it. And then, he would, I mean, the worst one, there was two, there's two things that spring to mind, Devin. I never forget that because you are right. You have got the worst poker face ever. You would have to wear <laughs> Jackie O'Nassis fucking glasses or Roy Orbison's if you were playing poker because I can stand there and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I won't blink or anything because I've done all like the body language shit or I've read books on it. So I'll try and keep my, my poker. I think my mouth being open would still probably <laughs> fucking, I would probably, my, my, my facial muscles would compensate for not being able to see my eyes just got, and I'd just be mouthing you're a fucking cock instead yeah. <laughs> you'd just probably give me the side eye that's what you probably would have done and gone what the fuck but I remember we did a gig once and I don't think you were in the band this before this, this guitarist had gone full Noel Gallagher so he had a guitar um, painted and it was all done like cracked paint of the Union mm. Jack. So we had the Noel Gallagher Union Jack and a Union Jack coat, Union Jack jeans. So on, on the pockets, it was like proper stonewashed jeans, but they had the Union Jacks on the pockets, ripped jeans. Union Jack fucking shoes, like mm. sort of slip on, sort of van style shoes, right? <laughs> Couldn't play. But the same guitarist always had an excuse. So when he did that, he looked, he was reminding me of the guy off karate, Kung Fu. David Carradine, oh, you know what he used yeah, to walk yeah. with a thing behind him? Because he put the guitar behind him and I was like, holy fuck. <laughs> he did it another gig. He wanted to do Ticket to Ride and couldn't get the solo at the start. You know, he just couldn't do it. And we were doing it about six times at a proper gig and it was it was just terrible. And I felt sorry because he was a lovely guy. But then to top it off, the, the actual pinnacle of his whole career in the band, and this sounds like, look, I made plenty of mistakes. I was, I, I can't imagine if, if he's doing a podcast, what he must say about me, Dave. <laughs> but, but it's like, <laughs> he... Came to a gig, and he, what he would do is, he, we always had, and we were good, weren't we? When we got going, and that's not being big-headed, but after a long time of gigging, we were a good established covers band, and we had a good mm. following. We always we always got people going. It was the right, we always had a good set on us, and it was good. It was At that time, was the pinnacle of, like, I loved that, that time in, in the band. It was the best time of the of incarnation of the band. And we did this gig, which was local to us. He's there, full Noel Gallagher, fucking, you know, Mr. Brit Awards, where everything guitar. But he was on the outside of where people were walking past him. So we're doing the gig. And I remember we were doing the jam in one, I don't mind going underground mm. somewhere. There's a bit where he had to play, because I used to play it sometimes and get on the guitar and play it. And let, uh, like the guitar, when he's asked to sing it, and it's about three chords or whatever it is, and he didn't have any sound. And then for the rest of the gig, he had no sound. And mm. at the end of the gig, I remember the other guitarist, because you know it was a bone of contention going, because he needs him, because he was the rhythm. Like, 
you know, chug it yeah, along, yeah. chug it along. You know that better than anyone. The, the drums and bass are the, are the heartbeat of the band, but then you need that other sound to mm. go to singing. And he went, but no, no, there's something wrong with me amp here. There's something wrong with it. He hadn't, he just fucking turned it down. However, two weeks later, the pub burnt down and the same guitarist blamed him turning his amp down on the electrics. Went, told you, fucking hell, no wonder we fucking, my amp wasn't working. The pub yeah. got done for arse and it was an insurance job, but he was adamant it was faulty electrics. It was, electrics. It was like, yeah, yeah. it's like an Amber Heard thing, Dave. You oh, keep going oh, with them. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly, allegedly. Hearsay, hearsay, objection. Yeah, objection, Your Honour. You keep rolling down that hill and that fucking thing just gets bigger and bigger. But what a character, Dave. Lovely, lovely bloke he was. He was a great bloke. I'm not saying he's, he's still with us, you know what I mean? But uh, some, of the, some of the stuff he would say <laughs> were just like jaw on the fucking floor. And watching any programme about bands, even though it's David Brent and it's it's done to like level 10, it's not far from the fucking no. truth. You've always got, you've been weird. Really, we're bitching about him on a podcast, really, but you get these splinter groups, don't you? You know, like in a band, and that's where bands implode then because everyone does come off. And like, I, you know, and I know we've done this where, we, where we've all been pissed off with each other. Well, I mean, you were never pissed off. You'd be pissed off with people in the band. Do the gig, make it look like your fucking best mates. At the end, you're just like, yeah, yeah, see you next Tuesday. Fucking yeah, whatever. See you at practice and, and just, you just leave. You know, we were never at the stage where we had punch ups, but it was always, there was always a bone of contention where someone had done something wrong and it always, there was always one member of the band who always hang on the mistake that you made, weren't there? Well, I just think being in a band, it's like being in a relationship, isn't it? Yes. You know, you've, you've got to be doing your practicing and you, you expect all of You expect everyone else in the band to be trying as hard as you are to be good and stuff. And, and then if people aren't pulling their weight, you start to get that needle there and what have you. But, you know, obviously it's great fun, but you know having lived that life it's so obvious why a lot of these bands do split up <laughs> yeah you know and and i know you know in the last 10 years a lot of them have got back together haven't they because they no longer make re uh, money from all the record sales and everything it, it, so they have to go on tour so they have to basically fucking swallow their pride and and get on with it but uh i, I will tell you chris there was another band that I was in years before i joined whatever and basically he, he was really good mates with the front man and so he used to just come down and we used to practice twice a week so tuesdays and thursdays uh, every week without fail and he used to just come down and watch us practice which you know it's fucking hard work because when you're trying to perfect a song or something you know you're just doing the same shit over and over and it's probably to most people sounds exactly the same but you're trying to play around with little bits and you know, uh, how this bit sounds and whatever. So it can be quite boring, I think, to go watch someone do that. And because it kept coming down and down, it's like, well, yeah, it's a keyboard right there. Why don't, why don't you just, you know, put stick some sound effects on and, and join in a bit? And uh, so we ended up, and, and this, like I say, we, we were building up to our, I think it was our second gig or something, you know. So we were heavy on the practice side, low on the gig side, whereas I think in our band we, we were heavy on the gig side, weren't we? We did a lot of our practicing <laughs> yeah. on the gig. But but this time we did loads and loads of practicing. And we, we'd got him to play like Coldplay, you know, the intro to Coldplay's Trouble. So the, yeah. the, the opening piano is fairly simple, like doom, 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 probably not the right notes, but... And then, you know, it does that like three times, then everything kicks in. 
so that that was all he had to do. <laughs> Basically, we knew what the set was. We had the set list, you know, agonised over it for weeks. So we knew every fucking song. And I think it was like the third song or something that come up. And he's been quite happily, for the first two songs, stood there behind the keyboard like a fucking lemon. Just stood there looking out at everyone else, not even pretending to play or anything. Because so, he had no part on those songs. Comes up for his little 10 second wonder, right? And then he says, Oh, I'm just going to check the bar. (laughs) 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 Fucking disappears. (laughs) Right. Oh my God. Do you know that bit on the guitar? Yeah. Okay, let's do it. And we just went went into it without the keyboards that we've been practicing for fucking ages. So it's weird. And the person in our band, he always reminds me of that other person, that, that missing fucking keyboard player. (laughs) <laughs> oh, fucking brilliant fucking brilliant Sorry. Well, I know. but before be I, a- we, we, we will get on to Brent but I don't want to let you go Chris because there's a moment a little bit later where uh, David writes a song doesn't he uh, Ain't No Trouble and it's about a Rastafarian and uh, oh, his mates God. going like you know don't do the voice David don't do the voice oh <laughs> no right. so, so, oh, I you believe fucking- yeah, no, I never saw this, but I've heard the story a couple of times. I believe you had a, a similar experience like this, Chris. <laughs> you wanker, right? Yeah, I did. I forgot about this. Um, so, um, <laughs> so where we live, I grew up in Old Trafford. On the on the outskirts of Old Trafford, Moss Side, is a proper multicultural uh, neighbourhood. Always has been, you know. Uh, all ranges of different cultures and everything, but there is a massive, like, Jamaican community around there, 100%. It's where I grew up. A lot of my friends are from Jamaica and stuff like that, you know, growing up. So all the pubs, it's not like, you know, you get a lot of pubs and it's just mainly white people. It's not like that. It's multicultural, Asians, black people, white people, everything, you know, every culture you can think of in the pubs. So we used to go to a jam night. When I first started playing in the band to get cut me like chop sort of thing. We would go to a jam night and the guitarist lived in sort of Hume, Moss Side area, around the corner. And it was uh, it was this pub where everyone was just smoking weed, Dave. It was ridiculous. But you got a lot of session musicians. It was a dead dingy pub. He had like, remember Finley Quay and people? Like, I had like his, mm, his guitarists. Yeah, yeah. And um, there was a guy, this is genuine, he was blind and he had a guide dog. And the guide dog was a big Alsatian. He used to walk around the pub and just want Chris off everyone while he played the drums. He could play the drums, this guy, blind. It was unbelievable. He was so good as a drummer. So there was just and people on mouth organs, everything. So we used to do a bit. They used to do now and again. I think I only got up once, like, because they were proper top musicians, top singers, and I was like, I'm fucking shit. So we used to do a bit of reggae stuff, a bit of Bob Marley and all that. So a member of the band decided that we should do jamming by Bob Marley. Not Three Little Birds, which, funny enough, I was learning up until recently because there was a, a semi-comeback of the band. I was a bit a- apprehensive about singing that because I'd been scared. So what we did was we did jamming. I'm singing it, you know, like, uh, I hope you like jamming too and all that stuff. But did you do the, the voice? M- the- <laughs> I was trying not to do the voice, right? So we'd done it a few times at gigs and it had gone down well and there was no issue. It was just like a filler two-minute song. It was dead, like, low-key. Because you know what our songs were like. They were always like, 
100 mile an hour in your face, want the Oasis, punk, whatever, rock and stuff. Uh, proper indie stuff, you know, mainly because I couldn't sing anything slow. So it was mainly throw the fast stuff in. You might not hear any of them bum notes. And we did it and we did it. And we used to have this regular gig called the Frostle's Nest. It's not there now in Old Trafford, right near where I grew up, near my nan and granddad's house. And we're doing it and we're singing away about halfway through. This big Rastafarian gentleman comes right in front of me, Dave, and as the singer... Oh, yeah, he wants to fucking drop me right there, Dave. Now, I'm 6'2", 70 stone. I think I can look after myself. This guy had at me for fucking dinner, Dave, and he was fuming. He was calling us fucking racist. We're, we're slandering the name and the memory of Bob Marley. I was just like, oh, my God. I thought we are going to get absolutely filled in. And I'll tell you now, we never played it again after that, Dave. <laughs> he never played it again after that. He was Fucking livid. The guy stormed out the pub. I actually thought he was going to come back because um, they'd been fucking genuinely in this pub. They'd been shootings and stuff. I thought, oh my God, we're going to have going to come back in and they're going to fucking fill us in and everything. They'd been a shooting about two weeks earlier in this pub. It was proper rough. Like, so we all grew up though, so you always feel safe, don't you? Because you've spent time in there. You can watch all United mm. games in there. But, oh, I've never been so scared, Dave. He was about <laughs> six four six five. Big dreadlock Rastafarian guy, and he was calling. And I knew I'd said to you before, I wasn't just saying this, throwing him under the bus, but I was so uncomfortable doing that song anyway because yeah. I just didn't think it was the right tone. But being the fucking Mr. the people pleaser, I was just like, Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> should, we should be doing it. Yeah, we'll be fine. Oh, all right, then we'll do it. But being the singer, you, even though. I was probably the least talented. You're the most, you're the focal point of the band, good or bad. You're the person that everyone looks at, unless you're a muso. You look at the guitar. So, so oh, Dave, I shit myself. I was thinking, <laughs> gonna, and, and, and I remember the landlord and landlady, we know him really well, trees and so pissing themselves, going, I don't think you should do that one in here, lads. I went, oh, no fucking shit. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been helpful to tell <laughs> yeah. us that the last time we played oh, it. Oh, my God. So, so you're right. So when Ricky Gervais is doing, <laughs> or David Brent saying some of the things in here, and that song, I was like, oh, fuck me. It just has, I have terrible flat. I can smile about it now, but I kept thinking, I don't think my kneecaps are going to be in fucking <laughs> in full working order by the end of the night. Oh, it was a fucking scary few minutes that day, I tell you. I can imagine. And if you're listening, yeah, it's probably best not to do songs like that. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but Chris, should we get into the trailer? Let's go. Hello, I'm David Brent. You probably know me as the star of the documentary The Office. I'm currently a singer-songwriter. Oh, yeah. Here they come. Come on in. We are foregone conclusion. And a rep. That's as stiff as you like, and it won't damage your rug. Well, that's what I told her. <sighs> when I left Wernham Hog, I found myself again. And I started to do what I do best, entertain. <laughs> Keep the noise down. <laughs> nah, turn it up. I'm putting a tour together. Let me take you down the quality street. On the road is where I really come alive. We're both just trying to make it, but he just has me rapping about a lot of weird shit. Black people aren't crazy, black people aren't lazy, and dwarves aren't babies. You can't just pick them up, they got rights. People often say, is there anything you won't joke about? Yes, they're handicapped. I didn't really know where to laugh or cry. There's been quite a few moments like that, I think. They have, yeah. This tour is going to get better and better. 
Right, who wants a T-shirt? <laughs> you think it's painful to watch? I have to stand next to him. We are going to get a little bit funky. Um, probably too funky. Is the lead singer cool? Just when you think in car get any worse, you shoot a fat girl in the face with a T-shirt gun. I let her keep the T-shirt, so it won't fit her. I like making people feel like get inside your head, maybe get inside your heart. Guilty. Hey! hey. What do you two do? Work in an office. <laughs> do you? Now, Chris, this is 15 years after his appearance on BBC Two's documentary series, The Office, and David Brent is now a sales rep for a bathroom supply firm, Lavicam. Now, what do you reckon to how it opens up here? Well, it's funny, you know, because I, like I said, I've only seen this once before. Fond memories of it, loved it. It was David Brent back on the TV. I'd, I'd, I'd sort of loved the fact with Ricky Gervais, when he does a story and he does a series... It's done. When he says it's done, mm. it's done. The office got a couple of Christmas spin-offs and that because it was just so big and it was his first real, it was his breakout show. And I still say to this day, it is his best show by, I think Afterlife is fantastic. And I loved Extras when I watched that. I only watched that about three or four years ago. Mm. But, but uh, The Office for me is just unbelievable. And I know I started watching the American one and everyone says how good it is, but it's not got a patch on the UK one. There's some brilliant yeah. bits in that first series of, of the US Office one but it's nowhere near the level. So so The Office Series 1 and 2 will always be one of my favourite ever shows. It's up there with Alvida's own pet and Phil's and Horses. Alvida's own pet's number one. I think it's The Office, then, then Del Boy. And Del Boy used to be number two. But um, the one thing that stands out for me watching this movie, and especially in the first 10 minutes, is the fact that everyone from Afterlife is in it. And yeah. that's... I, I can't get away from that. Watching it, I'm like, holy shit. He has literally just said to all these people... I've got another project, you fancy working on it? Bar a couple of people who are not in this movie, it's staggering, Dave, that he's, that he's so loyal to these people. It's almost like with The Office, isn't it? It's the same people, same people. I know it's a series, but it was. it's just so eerie that three years later he releases Afterlife and mm. probably half the cast are in it. So that, that, that took me back because I completely forgot that the, that these people were in it. I remember one of the right in the nonce guys was in it, but I didn't know any of the other characters were, and, and that was really interesting. But the, it starts like The Office, and I was all for it. I was like, oh, here we go. And it's just the cringy Davy Brent. But there is, I feel so sorry for him, Dave, watching this. Very clever. For me, this is almost, it, all right, it's David Brent, so it's kind of The Office, but it is the prototype for Afterlife. Like you say, it's all the different characters you've got there. So, is it um, uh, Joe Hartley who plays, you know, the the girl who he sort of ends up with at the end? You've got Mandeep Dillon who's basically playing the the receptionist, playing the Dawn character, if you like. Like you say, there's there's loads of others as well, and I I just it felt so familiar. Now, when I'd watched it, obviously the first time, I didn't know who most of these people were, but it, it, I must admit, it was a bit surreal, like, you know, uh, especially when you're thinking about it critically, and like, oh yeah, you could pretty much draw a straight line from here to afterlife, and um, I, I don't quite know how I feel about that, I, I still, look, I love the movie, but um, it, it just was a little bit strange, and I think, we've said this all along, but Ricky Gervais, the way he 
balances the ridiculous you know he, and he just gets things slightly wrong um or very wrong sometimes um but then he'll hit you in the gut with a with a massive emotional gut punch and you're just like fuck i was pissing myself a minute ago now i'm crying you know <laughs> yeah I, I just think it was so good and you're right about feeling sorry for him I mean, he's playing up to the cameras. He is a he's that big kid who never wants to grow up, but he's kind of a bit pathetic, isn't he? You know, but he's found his new Gareth in the office. You know, someone who gets his jokes, gets his humour that he can play up to. Chris, when he starts doing his character of holy fuck, oh my, with God. that massively fucking racist like uh, take on it, it's like. Fucking hell. Honestly, I was laughing because it was so fucking wrong. Um, but it was brilliant. But, I mean, things like when he gets pulled in front of HR, honestly, I am crying. Because he's got the whole, you know, he's got the whole David Brent back. You know, he's, he's sort of a little bit of look at the cameras. And, you know, she's telling him off for telling sexist jokes to the men in the office. And he's like, oh, should I only tell them to women then? Oh, oh no, it's telling sexist jokes about women, was it? And then he was saying, oh, should I only tell them to men or something? Sexist. (laughs) 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 Asking him about what the joke actually was. You know, what's the definition of a glass bra? Smash and grab, honk, honk. It's so wrong. <laughs> it's so wrong. But then she's like, he gets into a whole back and forth, and he's like, yeah, but that's not the funny bit. And she's like, well, what is the funny bit, David? And it's the way he just says, funny noise, honk, honk, funny noise, funny organs. And he sort of points at her breast, <laughs> and then he gives a sheepish little look at the camera. Honestly, Chris, it is just brilliant. And of course, then. she tells him like be aware you know of difference in the workplace and everything it's like yeah yeah so then he brings in his mate dom johnson doesn't he his bandmate who happens to be black Mm. yeah and who who has a a white father and and black mother it's like so that makes it even more different he says (laughs) it just continues (laughs) to dig that hole and i think it's things like that that just had me crying. And, and I thought some of the highs in this were very high. But I do have to say, there's like there's something he added extra into his mannerisms, which I, I don't really remember from any of the episodes. And that's this like high-pitched, awkward laugh that he's got. Yeah. So he'll yeah. say something. I, I, when we met him, he was, he was talking about... Uh, this will get all the hair off your rug or something, or or at least that's what I told her. <sighs> you know, and I was like, yeah, ah, that's, to be honest, that was a little bit grating for me. Yeah, and you know what? If you stole my thunder on that, because I'm the same, he actually says it, I went online looking, 92 times he does that, because I remember, because oh, I'd wow. not seen it for six years, mm. I remember watching it, and the first thing that stood out was that. In yeah. the first 20 minutes, he must do it about, well, he does it 92 times, he must do it about 30 times or something, but it literally pissed me off because I was like, is it to, to, because he says he's had a breakdown? Is it like a, a, just him? Because he was never like that in the office and it does it really great mm. on me, Dave, for that. Because I'm with you. I, I, I think you've summed that up well is 
there's some amazing, stupid highs in this that are just, just like the series and they're up there. They're so ridiculously funny, but I think there's some really poor bits as well. In the middle, especially with the band stuff, I think there's some really obvious gags and, and sort of the dialogue is just a bit off. However, I do, and I'll talk about that in the end, actually, but the end of it, these things with Ricky Gervais, and I think there's a bit at the start. So when he starts saying about the tour, and I'm mm. going on tour and everything, and he's <laughs> when he comes back in the office, it shows him doing, like, going up and down, and there's that song on about going to fucking <laughs> these different places, <sighs> and then he ends up back as <laughs> It's just like... <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, I thought you were going to say about when um, he's talking to the girls, you know, by the front desk, and he's... He's saying, I'm going to turn you over. You over. Oh, you yeah. stupid. <laughs> and then he's like, guess how I spell coming. And yeah. he, says, he says, C-U-M. And she's like, that's cumin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so to me, that kind of back and forth, you know, and it, it, it's as much to do with the entourage, how they bounce off him as well, you know. And uh, yes. I, I just thought that was that was pure office for me. Yeah, it was, and that's where I, f I felt the most comfortable with his character. I really did, because wh when he goes back in, he's going on the tour, and then he, he thinks that the <laughs> Karen, the receptionist, is played by Mandy Dillard. She's obviously out of Afterlife. She likes him, and she listens to him. She can't understand what the fuck's going on, but she thinks he's, he's, got, he's like a, a kind soul. And he's when he's like, oh, they've come in, they've, they've had a whip round, they had a whip round and everything, and then... <laughs> And Pauline comes out, who's also after uh, Joe Hartley, who's out after she comes out with just a card. <laughs> it's just like break a leg, or whatever. Oh, but you know what? <laughs> yeah, just from you know what? Oh, we had a big whip round for him. But but you know what gets me? And it got me. I don't know if it's as I'm getting older, Dave, because I can go on fucking TikTok or some or Instagram shorts and watch these videos of like people coming home from fucking the army or I've not seen there's loads of these people I've not seen someone for five years and I'm mm. I do I do question the validity of it because when we do a reality TV show, we know how fucking fake that is. A lot of these are set up, but these ones that are genuine. But I end up fucking welling up. So when when he takes all his stuff and he's like, see ya, see ya, and everyone's just like, Yeah, whatever. It mm. and the off the music comes on, you know, the um, Rod Stewart, well, the, the uh, stereophonics, yeah. whatever it is, that Glad just gets me. Glad, Glad rags. Yeah, as soon as that comes on, got me straight away. I was like, oh, fucking, yeah. I'm fucking filling up. I don't know why. It just, I just felt dead sorry for him because he, he, he's just such a lonely character. And I, and I will say, Ricky Gervais, I think, and I'll, I'll stand on the hill and fight people for this one, Dave, as long as he's not like that Rastafarian guy because he'll probably beat me up. But um, he's... Um, <laughs> he's I think he's one of, or if not the best creator, writer of portraying sorrow and like somewhat emptiness within someone that you can relate, you know, like the mental health side of it and everything, mm. because it's also to do with his acting, definitely, because he's a bit at the end that I was absolutely in tears at the end, I'll be honest with you, but mm. um, he, he, he's so good at it, like in extra, in the office, obviously extras, there's a couple of bits with Andy Millman, but... Afterlife, especially, I was a fucking wreck. Each, some of yeah. them episodes, I needed to take five. It was just so up and down, and that sounds so dramatic, but it, it's just, I think he, the way he uses his body, he can sort of turn the waterworks on at the right time, but he's trying to hold the tears back like you would do in real life, you know, if, if you're upset. Yeah, I, I just think he's a master at that, and no matter what I think of this movie, because there's some highs and lows, I think David Brent and Ricky Gervais are one of my favourite 
you know, character, what one of my favourite characters, people, but as a character, David Brent's got to be one of my favourites. I just love everything about him in, in all the cringeworthy wrong ways because he just thinks he's got a kind heart, but he gets to the point where he then realises he's gone so far. He's like got tunnel vision and I can relate to that because mm. I get tunnel vision on something. If I'm going to go in on something, I get tunnel vision until I think, what the fuck am I doing? And I think <laughs> that's what I like about his character because he reminds me of me a lot because he's like, like, we're all flawed, but I just love that about him. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree in terms of the the emotion side, you know, the sorrow that he shows and demonstrates. I mean, it, it's not too prevalent in the first half, is it? It's more towards no. the back end where, you know, the wheels start coming off a little bit. But it's still, most of it's played for laughs at, at the beginning. And I, I love, again, when he's, he was talking about, you know, I put put a bit of weight on. Um, you know, the lads used to call me Brentosaurus. <laughs> you know, they had a good laugh about it. And then you're sort of laughing. But before you've had a chance to even take a breath back, he's like, not me. Burst out into tears. Nearly killed myself. <laughs> and you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> he's just flip-flopped and gone. And you're like, oh, shit. You know, so, I mean, it's still still quite funny, but the way he delivers it, you know, he's deadly serious, you know. He, and, and this is the bit, you know, underneath the surface, isn't it? You know, you see how it's all an act and and i agree hats off to gervais the way he, he pulls that off as a as an actor you know he's always said hasn't he you know he's not a trained actor or anything and and you have to conclude that he's just a fantastic you know in he's just got those skills innately because he's bloody brilliant at it yeah yeah, he is. And I was reading something with that Doc Brown. He said one of the scenes, he improvs the whole thing when he's talking to the waitress. And he said, you see me put my hoodie and put it down because I'm pissing myself because I don't know what he's going to say because he doesn't break yeah. character. That's so yeah. clever. That's so <laughs> fucking clever, Dave. It really is clever. And 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 I think you're right. And I think, and like I just said the same thing. He's, he's, it, it was As we're saying, is the one thing I would say is... Stephen Merchant's not involved in any of the writing of this. And mm. I think when we get them lulls in the movie, or my, well, not, not, I'm talk, not talking for we, whatever you think of it, but for me personally, when there is them lulls, and there is them, it's missing that sprinkle of Stephen Merchant, I think. Because this yeah. is Ricky Gervais, he's, he steers the whole thing. Obviously, extra Stephen Merchant was in it, you know, so obviously he was only in it briefly, but, but, I feel that's what's missing from this. It's missing, mi missing. It's missing that team up with them together. I think. Mm. Yeah, no question. I mean, uh, Bre uh, I was going to say Brent. <laughs> so Gervais was quite clear that this isn't an office movie. You know, it is just more about joining back up with him. And I think he was quite clever there because you know the tone of it is a little bit different. And I think with Merchant, maybe you don't get. Gervais showcasing his songwriting skills quite as much. So I, I don't know about you, but I actually listen to this album quite often. <laughs> you know, and again, I just, <laughs> I think it's brilliant. You know, and again, he just, a lot of the music is actually really good. And it, it is so Brent that he just gets it ever so slightly wrong. I mean, on some bits, you know, some songs he gets it massively wrong. Whereas he's doing the song about, you know, don't, make fun of the disabled you know and he's like hold their <laughs> hand if they've got one <laughs> yeah 
it's like fucking hell you know and uh he gets to the end of that song doesn't he in in the set and he's he's in the bar and he's like that's for that little fellow right over there nice one oh that's terrible <laughs> fucking hell. oh dave you've got me we've, we've, we've skated over some of that i wanted to talk about i know we're not going beat for beat the movie but it all in, in all about that scene as well when he gets out the fucking car, when he's when, he, when he's leaving his house and he's getting in the car, them fucking bootcut jeans he's got on are fucking amazing. They are premium 2003-2004 band jeans that I probably wore because I've got a picture of me. You've seen it. I've, I've, I'm quite skinny. I've got bootcut jeans on with a pair of Adidas Superstars, a fucking Knight Rider with David Hasselhoff sat on kit from Primark saying Knight Rider, and I've got long bleach blonde fucking hair and my hair over my eyes like I'm out of Oasis. I look like a right <laughs> cock. And I'm there with Jordan next to me. She was, a, she was about three years old. She's got a football on her arm. She always plays footy. And I remember, look, and that's all I kept thinking of me with them jeans. And I was thinking, holy fuck, I had jeans <laughs> like that. And I thought I looked cool. Oh, fucking dick, honestly. <laughs> that's brilliant. No, he, uh, yeah, d- definitely when he was uh, doing a bit of the rehearsals, again, you could see his mate Dom was, you know, he... he Dom thought he was getting signed by like a proper manager and uh, you can see in some of those VTs you know he, he, he was a little bit duped there and then Brent starts to take over a bit more and then it's just about Dom rapping on on Brent's <laughs> Brent's music and then in the studio that's when he offers the guy um, who's also in Afterlife whose name escapes me uh, oh, what's his name? It's uh, so Dan is his character's name, Dom Basden. Yeah. So and he he offers him. And he says, "I'll I'll double what you earn here." <laughs> again, brilliant bit of editing where he's outside. And it's like I had no idea who's on that much. <laughs> <laughs> he's into the budget. But again, what I love about this, Chris, is it's taken a lot from the character from the things that we saw in the two series and the Christmas specials and it's it's playing on those beats in this movie so you know his whole when, when he spent all that money on uh, his single you know if you don't know me by now and all of this stuff just and ridiculously you know there he'd spent all his redundancy money here he's just cashing in all his pensions, you know, he's it's like they're worth almost as much as he put into them. Uh, but he's cashed them all out and just throwing the money away. But everyone's taking the piss out of him, you know. Dan's taking double what he what he earned, even though, you know, it turns out to be an okay guy. The band, you know, he, he fucking rents a massive fucking band bus, a tour bus, to go within about a 30-mile radius. And they basically tell him to drive in his own car. Oh, you know what? I felt that sorry for him, Dave. That's like the epitome of I'm picking your last at football. You know, yeah. like one of them, like, oh, fuck me, not my team. You know, just just stand on the goal line. I, I did feel sorry up for him. with the football and, and getting picked last and saying, oh, it's odd numbers. You're going to have to be a sub. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's so bad, isn't it? That's so yeah. bad. He, he, he's brilliantly done. But I think I think what it is with me that's this is the bits that probably piss me off is it's that sort of bullying side of it where mm. he knows he's being manipulated but because he's so 
headstrong about he wants his career and and do the, the gig in and he wants to be signed and, and he's been saying it to everyone about how he's going to get signed and he's going to do this and then it's like they follow him now what's interesting is he's taken a career gap but the company don't ask for his, his company car back which was a bit mm. and most companies that have took it back off him but anyway that was a, a nitpick but he's following him in his fucking Vauxhall um, what is it not an Astra um not fucking Cavalier, either, whatever they are. A fucking typical know. reps car. He's following him <laughs> anyway. But they're in this top one. You're right. I mean, Tom Basden, he, he's playing the same character as he does in Afterlife. He's playing yeah. his brother-in-law, basically. And you're right. He's taking the piss. But if someone comes to you, Dave, and goes, I'll double your money, you'd be like... Sold. I mean, no, he's, I mean, no, he's just, <laughs> just gone in. As soon as you've done it, we know he's just gone. You know, same terms, I'll, I'll pay you double. Well, no problem. I think that's what... It's interesting because as we we can relate to, I know a lot of, a lot of people listening have been in bands and can understand that as well and what what comes to it. But it is like that, isn't it? You know, like the, the, mm. the, you you can go to a gig and make no money and it's cost you your fuel. Your fuel's basically gone there and back. You do it for the love, but you you don't be you have to be quite realistic that if you're in a band. You're not making any fucking real money, Dave. It's like a footballer. You've got you've got to be really lucky in the right place at the right time. Football's about talent and music. Music is, but it's not always about talent as well. It's about who you know, what the song is, the hook. Someone look at Oasis with uh, Alan McGee, wasn't it? He just by randomly was in that bar and signed. You know, he was like, "Who the hell are these?" They'd gone up to Scotland. It was just by chance that he saw them and he signed them. So it's it. It, it, it's one of them that you've been in bands, you've been in original bands, I haven't, you know, so you know that yourself, how difficult that is. And and it's just that, knowing when he's going to these fucking, like, student unions and stuff, in his fucking jeans and everything, and people are just look, looking at him like, what? And how they keep a straight face. I love watching, like, the outtakes of these, because everyone is fucking crying. That one, the Free Love on the Free Love Highway, the fucking training day one. Oh, so and good. Have you seen that one recently again where they go, right, let's go into it. And he does the song and he's a brilliant guitarist. He, he, you know what I mean? The lyrics, everything. And obviously that's used on a, an insurance advert as well, that song, which yeah, is ridiculous. Yeah. But free view, isn't it? Now? Free, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, but the people there, they're fucking crying, laughing. And he just goes into it, you know, and goes, it's like, you know, he's dead. No, he's not, you know, and all that. And it's, <laughs> it's all done in that one take. But the, before, they're crying, yeah, he's on the road crying, you know. So it, I, I think Ricky Gervais is so talented. He reminds me, and this is a, a really out there reference, but do you remember Les Dawson, Dave, years ago? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Now, Les Dawson was a classically trained pianist, right, and a great singer, but on his show, he would purposely play shit on mm. his piano, everything. He had a big skit about it, but he was a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, piano player. You know what I mean? So, so, And that's with Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais is a talented songwriter and musician. Obviously, he was in a band, but he is clever. I've seen him do Free Love on a Free Love Highway on um, the uh, Antinope um, radio show in America, playing mm. acoustic, and he plays it. And it's brilliant. Yeah, it's really yeah. good. Really, really good. Really good uh, when he does it. I think it might be Jim Norton's one, actually. Jim Norton, I hope it was. But whatever it is, but he's, he's amazing. And they just give it him and he's like, hang on. And he just starts playing it. And he's playing the, the, the acoustic. Amazing. So it's like, that is what the, I have so much respect for because he can do so much. But he's so understated with it, isn't he? He's just like, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm average. I'm average. When he's not, he's very good, to be honest. Yeah, no, I, I love free, free love on the free, high, free love highway. 
and like I say, there's a, there's a whole bunch of songs that, that I really like in here. I mean, what what do you reckon? You're talking about Bully in there. I mean, what do you reckon to the character of Jezza? Oh, he's a C next Tuesday. An <laughs> yeah. absolute C next Tuesday. He he wants to go outside and let's have a fight. What a, a great acting because yeah. he's so unlikable, but he's pretty much took that character into afterlife, hasn't yeah, he? You know, exactly. it's the same. <laughs> Andrew Brooke plays him. It's the same character, basically. Yeah. It's really, yeah, he's, a, he's an absolute wanker, Dave, a proper cock to him. And yeah. I think that's what you need. I think, I think because David was a boss, even though these people, a lot of them didn't really respect him, they couldn't get away with giving him yeah. shit. But because he lost his job, he's had a breakdown. He's come. He's come in. He's he's he's. They know that, and they're just taking advantage of him, aren't they? Completely. Mm. So it's quite interesting, but it needs it for the actual show. They need that yeah. character. Well, I think he gets it from all sides, doesn't he? So he's had it from the workplace. Like I say, he kind of he, he finds this one of the soul, uh, not soulmate, but um, uh, friend. You know, I can't remember what the guy's Nigel. name was. Nigel, Nigel, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So you know, they they kind of bounce back and forth. Like I say, he's he's a bit of a Gareth type character, isn't he? But. I think one of the, just, and we'll move off bullying in a sec, but one of the bits where you're just like, oh, David, have some fucking respect for yourself. Where he's trying to get Dom to convince the band to have a drink with him. And then they're like, you know, they get paid uh, for the for the time that they're on stage kind of thing, but then their own time is their own time. So, no, we don't want to have a drink with you. So he basically pays them to have a fucking drink with him, pays for their beer and everything. <laughs> and then he's trying to make conversation. It's so awkward. He's trying to talk about football and everything. And and they're just not interested at all. And then, you know, when they finish their beer, that's it. They're off. <laughs> and so, I, again, that was one of the moments when I felt so bad for him. Yeah, yeah I'm with you because, and I think, again, it's great acting, Dave. It really is great acting with that. The, I think that's probably what it is. That's probably what my issue is, is because it really... Dave is like a broken man. This is his last mm. Hail Mary, and this is his last throw of the dice. It's this or bust. even says that within the, the movie. He says, like, this is it, you know, sort of thing. And it's just one thing after another, one rejection after another, isn't it? One rejection after another. In the, in the series, it's slightly different. He's about redundancies. People don't really like him, but, you know, he, he thinks everyone loves him. Jennifer doesn't like him, you know, and all that sort of thing. And But a lot of it's created on himself. In this one, mm. it's not created because he's been a cock. He's just trying to do something he wants to do. Yeah, he just wants yeah. to be a rock star. Do you know what I mean? So there's no mention, really, of the comedy stuff, which he was talking about in the series at all. It's all about being a rock star, isn't it? So he's, mm. he's changed direction. But 15, 16 years later, from when The Office concluded... It's like he is just a shell of himself. And I think mm. that, I think it's very clever with the mental health stuff that obviously we, the whole world is more aware of finally. As we, I think this is like a precursor to something like that. Like you just can't be horrible to people. You don't know what's going on. <laughs> You've said a few things that are so Brent tonight. <laughs> what? <laughs> just like the world's caught up with it, finally. <laughs> About time, I say. <laughs> A good idea is a good idea forever. 
<laughs> and the whole fucking Bob Marley song and everything. I think you are playing Brent tonight. That's why I relate to him so much, babe. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't ask you, actually. I mean, what, what, if you think this does lull, and, and I agree, I, I think it, it, it's more of an afterlife tone in the middle, isn't it? But I still yeah. think the songs are great. I mean, what, what do you think of the music? Oh, the music's good. I think when you listen to the lyrics on a lot of them, it's so fucking clever, Dave. So clever. And and like Doc Brown there, it, it, well, Don Johnson, he's, he stays named Doc Brown in real life, the, the rapper. He is just like, what the fuck am I doing here? What That's his stage I? name, isn't it? Doc Brown? Doc That's Brown his stage in, name. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, he's stays named Doc But it's just like, his whole thing talking to the camera's like, what am I doing? And he's copping <laughs> off with girls and everything. You can see like David's there and... Uh, that t- uh, Dan, the sound engineer, he says that he went. I've never seen anybody worse with women in my yeah. life, and I think, <laughs> I think that's the thing with the music. It all just, it's all just David Brent. You can see that at some point, if you'd have given this to a proper writer, songwriter, or someone who knows something, they'd have changed stuff and said, "No, we need to do structure everything." But everything's like he's making some sort of. A statement in he's trying to make these like political and, and correct statements within the world, but they just fall flat on the fucking face, don't they? It's just typical Brent. His wording, his phrasing and everything, he's so clever and cute. I think, I, honestly, I've got no problem with the music. I think it's great. You know, when Dan's talking about him being terrible with women, that's just before the breakfast scene, I think. Yeah. That's a bit later, isn't it? But he's dancing away in his waistcoat there at the student union. <laughs> It's absolutely perfect. And again, it's like, how are you lot not fucking pissing yourselves? And I bet I haven't seen the outtakes or anything, but I bet even he will be struggling to just carry that off, you know, doing his dad dancing in the amongst of a bunch of 20 or teenagers and 20 somethings. Just absolutely perfect. But one of the songs I like in particular is like Native American. Where he's writing it in the in the hotel room and and Don's like, Are you reading Wikipedia? <laughs> <It's> like, <"No." laughs> and he starts doing the the um like hey uh, hoo, uh, in the middle of the song and stuff. It's like Oh And then the whole thing about um fly like an eagle, sit like a pelican it's just, the the music is good. It's just, again, so Brent that he just gets it slightly wrong. Yeah, again, and, and you're right. And and I think as well, as obviously Dom, he's on the rise, in it? The music's more mm. relatable. It's a younger audience. You can see that these little snippets of people, when he comes on, you see the room gets a bit more lively, doesn't it? People are, are into what he's doing. Like I said before, he ends up copping off with that girl in the same scene when David... Because what I love about that when David comes in doing his dad dancing, very clever what they did with the extras. As soon as he comes within about two feet of them all, they literally disperse, don't they? It's like the way they do it is what would happen on a proper dance floor, wouldn't it? It would be literally that, holy fuck, who the fuck's this creep? You know, and that's that's the sad... Part of David Brent, and he just has, he is so socially awkward with women, and he? he doesn't have a fucking clue. I mean, look in, look in the show when he got talking to them girls at the bloody at the nightclub, and then he just starts <laughs> abusing them, doesn't he? Because they don't want to cop off with him and everything. It's so, it's so <laughs> he'd wrong. Do, he'd have to do him from behind because the breast smells of onions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
again, though, Dave. It's just like, that's so fucking wrong. And that's <laughs> what Brent's about, In He's just fucking so misogynistic. He's just like old school and... He just doesn't know how to be around women. He can't see the signs, can he, or anything. And I think, yeah. again, that's portrayed really well because when he gets um, two women, obviously, Dom's cops off oh. with his skirt. He comes, <laughs> this, is, this is one of my favourite scenes of the movie, I must admit. He comes outside, and again, it's the girl out of Afterlife. Yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah. She's the, and he's like, <laughs> come back to her mind, yeah. Yeah. And they're just lucky, they're trying to get money out. And and then it's the one with the brown hair, Dave. She gets me every time. <laughs> eating the fucking chocolate and the <laughs> shit. And he's he's racking up the price, isn't he? He's like yes, ten he's oh, two, there's twenty quid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the next day when he sat there and she's the left with all these rappers and she went Oh god. Oh, yeah. A lot of chocolate there, didn't you? She went, oh, I'm half no. constipated. <laughs> You know what I love though? My favourite bit of that is where she's like, oh, thanks for the snack. And he, he just raises his eyes and he's like, <laughs> snack? <laughs> it's brilliant. And he's trying to say to Dom, isn't he, you know, don't tell the band. But he's what he's really saying is tell the band, you know, that cops yeah. off, but don't describe her. <laughs> oh, it's fucking brilliant. It really is brilliant. And this is where we get this thing again, don't we, where he rings Nigel Dunney at one point in the office and he puts him on loudspeaker and he's like, he's so... Yeah, yeah. It's the first time we've seen him crack. We haven't got the smile. We haven't got the, you know, the bravado, even though he knows it's wrong. And and he he tells him everything, doesn't he? Like, I'm yeah. fucking spiraling out of control. I've got no money. It's cost 1,500 quid for this. And that's when you're like, oh, David, what are you doing? Even as someone who's seen the movie, I'm still there going, David, what are you fucking doing, mate? Just give it up. You have fucking nothing left. And, and that's a good thing. Cause I know it's a movie, but it's a good way with the audience. It's relatable. And then that's when finally Dan steps in, doesn't he, and just says, look, we don't need snow, David. It's 1,500 yeah. quid. We don't need fucking snow. And he's like, you know, no, we do, and we don't, and 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 then he says to him, "Don't he goes? Do you think I'm a prat?" And yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah. "No, I don't. I actually like you." And he's like, "No, no, no, do it. No, no, I do. I actually like you." You know what I mean? Well, don't tell anyone, sort of thing. Yeah, don't, don't make me say it again. <laughs> yeah, don't make me say it again. <laughs> and and that's where for me, Dave. Even though there was a few bits in the middle, as I've, I've said a couple of times, it really got me. It really mm. got me because I felt so sorry for him, and 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 then they're doing the gig, and he does this Christmas song, doesn't he? And then the fucking snow comes down. I'll be honest, Dave, gone completely. I was yeah. gone then for about ten minutes. I just kept fucking wiping tears away because I was like, fucking ace, you know. And he was so happy and when he was in the bar, and he went to fuck off, didn't he? When they come in and they were all hugging him, and he had the brown yeah. fucking leather jacket on. It was it was proper heartwarming. I thought. It was basically, like I say, it was the template for afterlife. When yeah. they're in the reception, you know, and, and he's saying about, he's asking him if you feel, you know, do you think I'm a prat? He's choking up, he's welling up, isn't he, there? And, yeah. you know, it's such a down moment where he just realises, you know, his dreams aren't going to come true, um, you know, and he's not going to have the snow. To go from that, you know, again, you get obviously the ridiculous song where he's you know, the, the least comforting person to this kid who's dying of cancer. Um, <laughs> getting brilliant lyrics. But when the snow comes down, and it comes down at the perfect time, doesn't it? You know, when the chorus is about to hit, you know, oh, yeah. it's Christmas. Oh, it's so good. And because and the music kind of continues into that bar scene, and they've all got over themselves, the band, haven't they? They, they said 
themselves you know they probably took it all a bit too seriously and you know david's quite a good guy and stuff so he's got you know maybe not the respect but he's got the friendship of that group now and so yeah i agree it was just such a great great way to i mean it's not quite the end is it but um no to end his tour if you like yeah and i agree and then there was a bit where he did a talking head thing like The Office and he was welling up. And that's the bit mm. where I was like, you are a master mm. at this. He's holding them tears back. I was, when luckily I watched it on my own, Dave, and I'm sat here fucking <laughs> blubbering. I was like, I felt so happy for him because yeah. he got like a, a full stop. Whatever you think of the movie or whatever, there's the full stop to his character. And then obviously it isn't the end. He goes back to Lavi Chem, doesn't he? And then I'll let you take yeah. that up, Dave. But yeah, this is a good bit, I think, as well. Yeah, and you know what? I love what he says as well, because he says, you know, Jez is still being a prick and uh, gets a glass of water in the face, and you're like, <laughs> yes, you fucking bellend. Um, but he says maybe they're happy being a rep. I'm just, you know, I'm a rep, but I want to be something else. And you're like, you know what? When you put it like that, fair play to you. I mean, for the yeah. whole movie, you've just been thinking, you've got this 50-year-old bloke, trying to pass himself off as cool. You know, he'd got the record labels come down and the Pog or yeah. whatever his name is. And he's like, is, is the front man cool? Well, I'll let you be the, the judge of that. You know, is Mick Jagger cool? Is Sting cool? No. <laughs> so he's been, you know, slightly ridiculous. But then when he puts it like that, you're like, I get it, you know. And so you get the um, the girl in the office, don't you? Uh, Joe or t- Pauline uh, is the name in the show, I think. And so, you know, she's obviously had a bit of a thing for him. She was the only person who got a card. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't work out if he was being coy earlier on when uh, he asked if she driven. He asked asked if she drove, and she was like, "You know, a driver, I'll give you a lift." And I've got, you know, live across she drives a car, yes. live across the road. <laughs> it's like, oh, I wondered why she was waving at me. I thought she was just mental. <laughs> but then, you know, he sort of gets his mojo back because they agree to go for a coffee and, you know, he starts talking about, you know, oh, he gets back into rock and roll mode then. He's talking about making a, a song out of something mundane like Coldplay, like Chris Martin does and whatever. And that's when you go into that end song which is very very cold play so yeah I, th- I thought it was just a great way to to finish it off because it, it's almost how the the christmas specials finished off wasn't it you know he'd, he'd met a girl who, who he really liked she re- seemed to really like him as well and you're like ah you know what you know there's nothing there's nothing malicious particularly malicious about david you know sometimes in in like with malcolm might disagree um but you know he's malcolm, generally yeah. not malicious and so you you're happy to see him do well you know even though we've been laughing at him for a long time yeah i agree i agree and when, and when there's and there's the bit just before he walks off with pauline where uh, karen's there and she starts crying about him don't she she's like he's mm. just a really nice guy and that got yeah. me again so i think you're right i think the the way it concludes is very, very clever. And every and you get that payoff because Jessica, like you said, he gets the water. It's like, yeah, you prick. The best thing could have been if David had a chinned him, actually. That would have topped it all off. But I think this works probably better with her putting the water, basically. And then 
What I like is, as they walk off, he's not reading the fucking signs at all, is he? This Pauline really likes him. Yeah, And yeah. he's like, we're going for a coffee, and then obviously Nigel's like, David. And he's like, oh, but I can do it for two. And they go off, and then it's when they're talking, and then she grabs his hand, and he look, jumps, and it just goes off, and you're like, oh, yeah, I like that. I did like that. I like that. Like, oh, hang on. And and we don't, we'll never know what happens, but he just leaves you enough to say, actually, he's finally found someone who, who likes him for being used. I don't think David would ever sink to... I don't think he would ever actually get into a physical fight, but you just reminded me, he was doing a bit of the, the old martial arts in the green room, wasn't he? In the room, yeah. <laughs> he says, the problem is, I'm all power. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like, ha ha! <laughs> Oh my but, god! I mean, do you think Jezza getting his comeuppance here? He got a glass of water in the face. Compare that to you know when he tells Chris Finch to fuck off. I mean, for me, there's no comparison because we'd seen that or so-called banter between the two of them, whereas she just realised, well, Finchie's just a bit of a prick, especially to David, but a prick anyway. So for it to go on for so long and then him to just say, why don't you just fuck off? For me, that was so much better. But Jezza getting a glass of water in the face was sort of the Finchy moment. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, you're right, actually. The Finchy moment's iconic, to be honest, because he's mm. a bully to him, isn't he? He's just like, he just he's a wanker to him, to be honest. I was going to say yeah. something even worse than wanker, but he is. He really is a knob. So, yeah, you're probably right. The Finchy one does... Uh, outweigh it, but just think for the context of the movie. This, yeah, this was nice, a nice ending, Dave. I think for the whole thing, I, I would have liked the handbags and gladrags song to have played it out. If I'm being honest, at the end, I think that would have been appropriate. It would, but then, like you say, it's not really an office movie as well. So maybe we'd had the nod to it, and we, you know, when he left yeah. the office when he was going on his tour. You know, in and around Slough, uh, which, <laughs> which is in Berkshire. So, again, it's just another Burke. brilliant thing. Yeah, it says Burke. <laughs> so, um, I mean, anything else out the movie, Chris? No, nothing really, Devin. We've covered it. I've just thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it, mate. Absolutely. Now, where can everyone get in contact with us? Even though this is probably... Is this our last episode? Is it really? Well... It's the last episode of the Office Saga, Dave. But let's discuss it for, for now. now. Here we go. So <laughs> if you want to email us, and when we come back online with this one, guys, back to the office podcast at gmail.com. And if you want to follow us on social media, at back to the off. So please get over there on Twitter and Instagram, and we're also obviously on Gmail. So please contact us. I just want to say, though, Dave, thank you to everyone who's tuned in listening to this series, because obviously when our other shows, we do them regularly, religiously. We wanted to do this as just one set piece for the show that we both love. It's a show, as we've said loads of times, it's what was like one of the main things that got us together as friends in the band. It was a proper bit of common ground, so we had in common. And I think as we've gone through it, talking about the daft things, like the stuff we've said today about the band and that, but <laughs> David Brent is always in mind and yours. If I'm going to send you a gift, or whatever, or a meme, it's always David Brent, or you're the same with me. We'll send yeah. different ones, but at some point, a Brent one or an Office one comes in there as a reference, or even on like our Discord channels for some of the like comics emotion that you'll drop a line sometimes, and I know full well that's the Office or something, you know, yeah, just the little yeah. things, or I do it to you, or whatever. So 
I think that's what I love. I absolutely love the fact that The Office is just in a lot of people's culture, a lot of people's like chat, you know, on the, on the VHS Strikes Back podcast, I always talk about these movies that within my family that recite even now, like, you mm. know, Beverly Hills Cop, Lethal Weapon, things like that. Whereas The Office is our thing, man, and yours will say something and you know it's from The Office. So I think I've loved going back doing this with you anyway, as I'm a closest friend as well. So it's like, it's what we loved, what got us friends all them years ago. And I, th- I hope yeah. that everyone listening has enjoyed it. Because we have a lot of people saying, when are you doing back to the, you know, back to the, when are you doing <laughs> yeah. life on road sort of thing? You know, when are you doing it? So we've done it now. It's what we do next. So um, I can say it's just been such a great ride, mate. And I can't thank you for coming along with me to do it for both of us. It was you, something we said for ages we were going to do. And I, I couldn't have done it with anyone better. No, no, it's been brilliant, and I, I, I echo all of those things that you, all those nice things you've just said. It has been brilliant, but I do have a, a tinge of sadness to close the book. Originally, when we started talking about this, we were going to drop it all like a Netflix type podcast, weren't we? We were going to yeah. record everything, drop it, and then we're done. <laughs> it was only when we thought, well, how does everyone fucking email us or tweet us or anything <laughs> if they want to interact with us? So, um, and, and we were a bit impatient as well. As soon as we got, like, I think it was about two in, we are like, nah, we need to get this out. So it's been absolutely brilliant. And I've loved, I, you and I know a lot of the stories that we've we've talked about, but a lot of them I didn't know. And I don't know, I've probably told you some that you didn't know as well. So that's been really fun as well to just think back and like all the ridiculous things that you see in the office, you realize, well, it's, it's maybe a little bit exaggerated from real life. But not that much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Like you say, especially with the, going back to the band days, you know, I'm sure pretty much almost every week there was some kind of ridiculous moment that I wish I'd have wrote down now. <laughs> you know, you're, you've got a better memory for these things. But um, no, just been absolutely fantastic. And like I say, maybe we'll be back. But uh, I'm just glad we've put a full stop on this uh, this office road right now, unless there's a Life on the Road sequel, of course, but uh, I don't think that'll be happening anytime soon. No, I don't, Dave. But no, thank you, mate. It's been so good. And uh, yeah, cause, and also, guys, if you do get a chance, get over to your podcast catching app, if you can, and drop us a review on the show. Good or bad, whatever. We love all the reviews. It just helps us get out there in the charts, and there's some amazing office podcast so uh i'd good to see that so i was looking the other day dave i think we're number three in the office charts so that's pretty good and that's overall the office just, charts the office charts yes if there, you put there are office charts i've just made it up but it's a <laughs> what i mean is if you put the office in on itunes which is the biggest podcast uh catcher app oh, we are number right, three okay. Bit like Love Island, Dave, when we're number one or two and Love Island comes out. Well, we probably shouldn't be admitting that on this podcast, but there you go. (laughs) (laughs) All right, mate. Well, again, thanks to everyone out there for listening. Thanks to you, sir. And I'll speak to you next time. Take care. Bye. I can work all day. Just to earn a dollar, I can't break my bone. You never hear me holler, I can't lose my home. I'm kick out in the street, if my baby's by my side, then life is sweet, cause ain't no trouble like trouble. 
If you lose the one you love, ain't no trouble like trouble. If you lose the one you love, ain't no trouble like the trouble. If you lose the one you love, ain't no trouble like the trouble. If you lose the one you love, you can't take my eyes, Lord. Leave me blind. You can't make me lame, Lord. I'm sitting on my behind. And I still won't beg, Lord. And I'm no hero if my baby's by my side, Lord. You've taken zero. Ain't no trouble like the trouble. If you lose the one you love, ain't no trouble like the trouble. If you lose the one you love, ain't no trouble like the trouble. If you lose the one you love, ain't no trouble like the trouble. Yeah, if you lose the yeah, one you love, yeah, yeah. I can't lose my job. But it'd be fine, cause I can still find the odd snob to rock. I could get chucked out of my mum's house, but it could be fun sleeping rough when the sun's I out. I lose my voice. But I'd manage to still do some sick rhyme damage with sign language. Can't take what's mine. Almost anything, Xbox, wedding ring, fish tank, terrapin, poke me in the eyeball, pull out a gun, say something spiteful about my mum. Tease my dog so he doesn't even know it By going to throw a bone but just pretending to throw it Make death threats, yeah, and I have to guess where Then when I get there, pull out my chest hairs Headbutt me in the nuts if you want Cause ain't no trouble like losing the one you love Ain't Come no on. trouble like trouble Yeah, yeah When you lose the one you love Lose it, Ain't lose no it. trouble like the trouble Yeah, yeah If you lose the one you love What, Ain't what? no trouble like the trouble Trouble, trouble. If you lose the one you love yeah. Ain't no trouble like the trouble If you lose the one you love Oh, 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 oh Oh, 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 oh